Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Hey everyone, you're listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton, and on today's episode is Susan Vladholm, founder of Frog Ferry. I last had Susan on my podcast about a year, year and a half ago when she was leading marketing for the aviation company Ericsson Incorporated. And since then, she's been on a mission to bring passenger river ferry service to the Portland metro area. I'm so excited to have Susan on the podcast, get an update on you know where, it's, where we're at with that project and when we're going to get uh, passenger river ferry service here. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Susan. Susan, thanks for being back on the podcast. Thank you, Dan. So last time you were on, you kind of hinted at this idea of starting this um, initiative, Frog Ferry. So the folks that don't know, can you just walk through what it is, how it started? Sure. Well, the concept of a passenger ferry service is probably one that just about everyone in Portland has had. And I was just curious. So I had been working with a global helicopter company called Ericsson Mm -hmm. and um, flying overhead as a student pilot, looking down over our riverways. There's a Columbia, there's a Willamette, wide open, virtually no activity. And then flying up to the San Juans, Vancouver, BC, Puget Sound area. And you can see the ferry system as far as I can see. So one day I landed. And I called Mary Shaver of Shaver Tugboat and Machine, Tugboat and Marine, okay. and said, Mary, why don't we have this? And we sat down, and she took me through the fact that she and her father had tried this about 18 years ago, and really it was due to the lack of political uh, support behind mm-hmm. it. And so I did a little noodling around and more outreach and realized we're the only major river city in the nation right. without a ferry service. And so it was really curiosity killed the cat. Mm -hmm. So I just got deeper and deeper into it. Kept waiting for a hard stop. It can't be done. It shouldn't be done. Mm -hmm. It costs too much. Um, And operationally, it's absolutely feasible. Financially, I believe it's absolutely feasible, especially given our transit and congestion issues Mm -hmm. and how much money we're spending on the transit infrastructure. Right. Let's go back through some of the data because one of the big things that I know you've been focused on this past year is just reaching out to the government partners, local, just getting research. So can you talk about um, just some of the findings you've you've done the past year going through this initial kind of feasibility of Sure, and it's actually been two years, over two years since this started. And I stopped counting after the first 700 meetings. So we're probably (laughs) 1,200 meetings into it at this point. And just trying to get a little bit smarter with every one of those meetings. And I would meet with someone. They'd get fired up about it because literally we have no detractors. And then they would introduce me to two other people. So key findings when it comes to the Willamette River and the confines of it, just looking at the low wake requirement, the low bridge requirement, Mm -hmm. making sure that we're operating really green and looking at carbon emissions, making sure we've got the stakeholders on board and looking at dock facilities, that's all doable. Mm -hmm. So we have found a vessel that's a pretty good approximation for our operation. It's currently serving on the Potomac River. It's not exactly it, um, but we found that. Uh, We've done quite a bit of work with the local transit agencies. So TriMet, PBOT, Mayor's Office, ODOT, SeaTran, mm-hmm. Metro, and seeing that transportation is the number two key issue for the general public here. 
Um, and out of that, really making sure that equity is a key piece of right. this, as well as climate and reducing our carbon output. And we really do well um, with those two objectives. And so that's where we are today. Yeah. Um, funding, uh, we're doing this really on a shoestring, and that's kind of the beauty of a public-private partnership. Right. We have well over a 1,000 supporters at this point. Yeah. So it's been largely pro bono. We feel that conservatively we've delivered about $2 million in value at no taxpayer expense. That said, we just received an ODOT grant called a Statewide Transit Improvement Fund grant. Okay. And that, with that award, that means all four of our feasibility studies are now funded. Great. And talk about those studies. What do they entail? How long will they take? Yeah, so, kind of outcomes. so there are four different feasibility studies, and we, we haven't made these up. These are the ones that all the transit agencies have said you need to do yeah. these, particularly in order to tap into FTA or Federal Transportation Administration funding. So the first one's demand modeling. And, you know, candidly, we tried using the local model that is basically the akin to putting a max light rail line on the river okay. and it didn't work, hmm. you know, for a variety of reasons. Well, the infrastructure is not there. It just, you don't have that many stops and that right. kind of frequency. So a few weeks ago we had four ferry experts that came into town and said, well, here's the model you should be using. Hmm. So now we're going to go ahead and, and run that demand modeling. So that's being spec'd out and it looks like Echo Northwest is going to do that work. Echo Northwest is also going to do a triple bottom line feasibility okay. study for us. So, it's Portland, and we want to do this the right way. So when it comes to the environment from a social equity perspective and for the economy, yeah. you know, we'll have a lot of good findings from that. The third one is a best practices case study analysis. So it's six different case studies globally, two internationally, four here domestically, wow. that we just internally, uh, myself and several really smart volunteers have put together. So looking at other operations that are similar to ours, either operationally or just politically, how they start. Started. San Francisco was started in 1999 when the mayor said, hey, right. let's pull together a Blue Ribbon Task Force, public-private sector, and now they are a public sector agency. And then the last one is the big one, and that's the operations and finance plan. Mm -hmm. So that really gets to the core of operation what is needed when you look at the land water interface you know what is needed in order to make that happen and what are the costs associated yeah. with it well what are some of the things that would be needed and i want to get into like the experience of walking through getting on and commuting and because i think that would be really really cool so what yeah what are some of the the things needed to kind of make it happen here so there's both on the front end from kind of a capital construction yeah. and infrastructure development perspective, as well as the ongoing operations. So you almost have to split them out into two different buckets. Mm -hmm. So on the front end, it is looking at where are the stops. So we've mapped out nine proposed stops. We probably won't start with all of those. And right. the demand modeling will tell us here is the infrastructure that's a, that's ready to go mm -hmm. and where you've got a market market demand ready to okay. implement. And we really see this as a pull and not a push strategy. So we want to go into communities where they want us. And so we do have communities like Cathedral Park neighborhood mm -hmm. and Lake Oswego and the Central East Side Industrial District with their arms raised saying we're on board. Yeah. Some of the others aren't quite there yet. Vancouver's okay. not quite there. And hmm. the inspiration was really looking at that I-5 bridge. We need the bridge. 
the bridge is likely 25 years out. Right. <laughs> so if in our generation, what are we going to do? So just taking a look at the infrastructure needs, you get into the technology side, just looking at ticketing, for instance, and, yeah. and how is that handled? And we really want a ticketing product that um, interfaces or is integrated with the rest of the transit grid here. So looking at TriMet and the okay. Portland streetcar and, and the hop card, that sort of thing. And looking at the customer experience as well. And a lot of that is the total throughput. And having worked for the Port of Portland and just looking at the the passenger experience mm-hmm. and wayfinding, you know, literally, how do you get to that stop? What's the first and last mile? So is that by scooter? Is it by bicycle? Is it by bus? Mm-hmm. Is it a kiss and ride where you have a spouse or a significant other dropping you off? And then once you get to your destination... What is your final mile like? So that's a key component of it, as well as what are the seats like in the vessel? You know, we're looking at bucket seats, so we're not having to ask people slide down. We need to get two more bodies in Mm -hmm. here. Um, So, you know, we're looking at all of those things. And fortunately, I'm not an expert in this field, Mm -hmm. but I've been in transportation infrastructure for a long time. And so I like to think I know where the gaps are. We have so many smart people that have just stepped in pro bono to help with um, articulating all the things that are needed. It's amazing. And it's needed. So as far as the experience, the boats, are they going to be electric? We would like for them to be fully electrified. Um, We're looking at hydrogen fuel cell as well, but fully electrified is fairly proven. Mm -hmm. Um, For our mission, you do need quite a bit of energy for the speed we want to, we need to get to. And as we have likely a shortened uh, series of stops, just looking now at Cathedral Park to Lake Oswego to start and then within that space, can we pull that off fully electrified? That's something the engineering team is taking a look mm. at. So the, the more we can get to zero emission, the better off we'll be. Yeah. Um, but honestly, we don't have those numbers yet. If not, we'd go to a hybrid model. And so there are conversations of rather than just using full diesel, we'd be using a renewable diesel. Mm. So again, we want to be running as green as possible. This is the Portland-Vancouver market, and we just need to really yeah. do this the right way. And as far as the boat, I mean, there's going to be like Wi-Fi on it, right? Oh, yeah. All, it's like a full commute. Gosh, that'd be so Good great. Good coffee. <laughs> I, I personally like healthier foods. So I'm thinking if we could have good, healthy, I don't want crappy food on there. No it's donuts? It's a really important uh. part of my ethos. Yeah, you know, but we'll look at market demand. We're going to put the customer experience first. Because, you know, bottom line, whether or not this is successful, yeah. the number one factor is reliability, and the number two is really the overall ambiance and experience. Yeah. Is it relaxing? Am I putting my time to its highest use here with Wi-Fi? Am I able to relax? I mean, the other markets are showing us. Mm. That's what people are looking for. The time and cost factors are actually number four and five mm-hmm. in terms of factoring in. So what are some – can you talk about some of the other cities that are you know have a system in place – things you've learned from them can you name those cities oh absolutely (laughs) they've been so great and and we're all we operate with full transparency on this we've Mm -hmm. got nothing to hide really Mm -hmm. on it um so kitsap county and king county are the two seattle-based passenger ferry services so going back about 20 years the washington state ferry system that's been around for 65 years that's autos only they made a decision we're no longer going to do passenger only for a variety of Mm reasons so the local transit agency which is called metro which is sort of like 
our TriMet took it on and um, and the, the county um, agencies there. So one has been underway for about 17 years, um, King County. They're operating, I think, four different um, platforms of vessels up there. Super efficient, very well run. Um, the fare box, which is the ticket income, okay. is called the fare box. Um, the gold standard average in the U.S. that you're shooting for is 30%. Um, whereas most transits at about 10 to 15%. Really? So if you look at a TriMet or Portland Streetcar, I mean, they're at like, I think they're somewhere between 95% and um, 80% subsidized. Wow. Yeah. So we're probably going to be closer to 50%. And then the overall dollar amount costs per ride will be significantly less, hmm. um, probably a fraction of it. So King County, my point is, is they are operating with a 45% Fairbox collection hmm. and their executive directors, Paul Brodeur. He was just down here, met with a team of leaders. Um, so he's been incredibly helpful. And then for uh, Kitsap County Transit, um, Daryl Bryant there is their executive director and he's been immensely helpful. They only started about three to four years ago. And so even some of the issues they had with buying the vessels kind of too far out in advance and mm. the vessels sat there and they weren't operating and these machines need to operate and work. And so they had some maintenance issues there. And so again, coming back to reliability being the number one factor for success, that maintenance repair and overhaul is just your bread and butter. You yeah. really have to have that dialed and you've got to have those machines operating at all times because Dan, if you're banking on that ferry for mm -hmm. your morning commute right. and it's not running, Sure. Your morning is completely messed up. And so But it's gonna be better than I five traffic that I have to say. Absolutely, that, right? so, absolutely. But is, and but you're not battling you know, river traffic. Yeah, you exactly. know, that's the beauty. But yeah. you just mechanically have to have it running because yeah, you're not up against oh my goodness, you know, perhaps when the fleet's here for right. Rose Festival yeah, right. visiting, but we have a wide open river that's so underutilized. So Well I'm excited about it. So talk about like kind of next steps, road map and if some of the roadblocks that maybe have come up uh, and you see that uh, that'd be great so next steps are getting these four feasibility studies done so that first one the best practice case studies that's going to be out probably in two weeks okay um the demand modeling and the triple bottom line um, that will probably be the end of October. And then that operations and finance plan will be the end of December. So okay. the end of our calendar year. Mm -hmm. And then next year, we'll be taking the findings from all four of those and mapping out an operations and finance plan. So okay. mapping that out. And when I talked about there's on the front end for really CapEx and then ongoing operations, uh, the FTA, Federal Transportation Administration, they have a pretty healthy budget for new starts and pay up to 85% oh, wow. of all the infrastructure costs. So vessels, docks, gangways, hmm. restrooms. And so we really want to tap into that fund um, for that. But then it's back here at home to say, how do we handle ongoing operations? And again, I think our subsidy will be very, very compelling as we compare it with other transit modes. Yeah. Uh, second part of your question. I forget. But we'll move on. <laughs> we'll talk about kind of the political Oh, support. it was roadblocks. Roadblocks. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah. that plays into it a little bit. Uh, I know you've been spending a lot of time down in Salem meeting with 
mayor's office. So can you just talk about how that's evolved and, um, you know, the support's been there, but obviously there's some roadblocks, right? Yeah, really the biggest roadblock, honestly, has been confidence. Mm -hmm. And the resistance of trying something new. Um, So that hesitancy is really not about operationally. We've come back and said operationally, this is absolutely doable. Um, It's not cost-related, although cost is always an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think some agencies are looking at this saying, oh my goodness, are we going to be in competition? Uh, It's not strategy. Absolutely, this Mm -hmm. hits on every cylinder when it comes to strategy. And that's why I'm pursuing it. I mean, candidly, I kept looking for greater roadblocks. But truly, if it's only confidence then it's really unconscionable that we don't pursue this when this is our number two issue and it's hurting our economy and our quality of life here. So with every new supporter that comes on board, um, we are gaining in confidence there. We have some visionaries like Lynn Peterson, who's the president of Metro. She was executive director of WashDOT, which oversaw the Washington State Ferry System. Mm -hmm. She gets it. She knows a lot of the folks we're working with that's up in King County. So she understands it. Uh, Mayor Wheeler's been really great about seeing this um, be part of um, the future of Portland skyline. Um, Actually, down in Salem, we didn't get the funding. Uh, we had asked for $500,000. However, we had really broad support. Mm-hmm. Um, the Portland Business Alliance has been a great partner and supporter, and great. we're planning on going back down for the short session this next spring. Okay. Um, because it wasn't a matter of them being detractors, but it's like, well, we're not going to fund you the first time you come around. Sure. <laughs> so, so we have to go back. So the 22 key legislators that really needed to champion this through, we feel like we have really good support mm-hmm. and understanding behind. And now that ODOT has provided that funding, and we have a number of other funding requests that are out with foundations and, and grant um, opportunities. So grant, what do I want to say? Grant fund, funding opportunities. So... We're, we're feeling much right. more bullish about this than we were this past spring. Okay, great. And then as far as the structure of it, um, Frog Ferry is a, a 501c, is that right? So we have filed with the IRS for our 501c3. We have not received our letter of determination yet, so we're waiting for that. Mm-hmm. We do have a fiscal sponsor in the Charitable Partnership Fund. Okay. So we are operating as a nonprofit yeah. and as a public benefit company, mm. but we have not gotten that piece of paper yet. Sure. So um, in terms of governance, I get a lot of questions about long-term, who will own the vessels Mm -hmm. and this operation. And fundamentally for me, the biggest question is, is this a public service? And it is. The vision has always been to make this accessible and affordable for everyone. Um, If this could be done uh, privately, and profitably, it would already be an operation. Right. And there are other operators in the area that would absolutely give you that answer mm-hmm. as well. It can't be. It's public transit. So we want to make sure we're using the, the public tax dollars um, to the very highest level and doing everything we can on our end to keep costs low. Yeah. So 
This is starting as a public-private venture. We're okay. working on our pitch deck now. Um, there will be naming rights for the vessels. Mm. Uh, likely the vessels will be collateral for those private investors. And then for over the course of time, and this has been borne out with a number of other services, it becomes a public transit right. agency. I'm excited about it. Good. I just love like following the journey and you know, please keep me posted. We'll have you back on when more things develop. I will. Thank you, Dan. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You've been listening to the PDX Executive Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Bruton. Original music for this episode was composed by Levi Downey. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast.